Are you interested in a life in ministry? Are you passionate about the church and how it functions? Do you not get enough of listening to pastors on Sundays? Well, you're in the right place. This is Under the Fig Tree, a podcast for people who are interested in church work. I'm Ben. And I'm Micah. We are two pastors who work at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. Join us as we dive into the vocation of pastoral ministry, dig into scripture, and occasionally talk about other stuff like our unquestionable love for the Dallas Cowboys. And of course, we'll be talking about Star Wars. We'll talk to guests about doctrine, traditions, and what makes someone a good candidate for the pastoral office besides being called by God. And we may just help you figure out if this pastor or deaconess stuff is for you. Again, this is Under the Fig Tree from Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. All right, Micah. Well, here we are, our first episode of Under the Fig Tree. We uh, start things off on our podcast with a little section called Pastors Are People, and uh, it gives us just a chance to talk a little bit about what's going on and catch up with each other. Uh, You have things that you're into. I have things that I'm into. Very different. Uh, but uh, let's let's start off in the world of sports, which is your world, and hear a little bit about your favorite team. I hear they're really good this year, and that's the Dallas Cowboys. Is that right? Well, good insofar as that they are America's team, and if you're truly an American, you like the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, now, in a, a, an objective sense, yeah, they're pretty they're pretty bad. Um, they've won three games this year. You know, it's an interesting season. You know, 2020 is a year that we're all going to look back on and be like, man, what a ride. Uh, But because of COVID, uh, there wasn't any preseason. There weren't training camps that are usual. So throughout the NFL, uh, there have been crazy injuries. And uh, the Dallas Cowboys quarterback took a crazy injury at the, the first part of the season, broke his leg, dislocated his ankle. Um, and he was really the heart and soul of the team. I'm not saying that they would be much better if if he hadn't got injured, just because of they're, they're just not a good team. Like some, like they have good players, they have some great players, but you know sometimes it just doesn't come together well. Uh, and that's that's kind of what is happening. And as a fan, a lifetime fan, every year. Dallas Cowboys fans, we always say this is our year because in the 90s we, we got spoiled, and now 25 years later we're still thinking that it's the same team, but it but it ain't. Uh, so yeah, it's it's rough, but you know, uh, there's a such thing as loyalty in dark times, and I stay true <laughs> to the Cowboys even in years like this where it's I I have to force myself to watch games, uh, but you know, hey. That's life. Sometimes things go your way. Sometimes they don't. Uh, and don't be a flip flopper because they're not going your way. That's, if anything, that's what being a Dallas Cowboys fan is teaching me today. On other news, though, I'm also a Lakers fan. Uh, and a couple of years ago, LeBron James decided to play for the Lakers. At the beginning of this year, uh, in my mind, the greatest Laker of all time, Kobe Bryant, died. I'll tell you how that how I learned about it in a different episode. Uh, it was crazy, but uh, for the Lakers to go into this COVID buzz- bubble in Disney and and pull off the run that they did and win the championship, at least I have that to hang my hat on as far as sports go and my favorite teams. But, you know, you live, you learn. 
this weekend, Ben, as you know, I, I think I cooked the best pulled pork I've cooked in my life. It's juicy. It's flavorful. Like when I when I tasted it, I went, oh, man. And like, you know, I cook my own food and uh, I enjoy it. Uh, but but you tell me what you thought about my pulled pork. It was amazing. Juicy. There was lots of good seasoning on it. So, uh, you know me, I don't like a ton of heat. Um, a little bit of heat is all right, but um, much more than black pepper. And I start sweating profusely because, uh, well, that's just me and my family makeup. Um, but uh, I I loved it. I put a little bit of sauce on it, um, which no offense to you. Uh, I like all. I like sauce. Um, but, but not so much sauce that I had to drown the meat because there was already lots of flavor, super juicy, um, which is definitely not the way my pulled pork usually comes out. So it's a a labor of love and you just, it's it's just practice. Well, so our, our listeners didn't see you pull it. I I actually stood in your kitchen, right. And and watched (laughs) you pull it. I had a mask on, um, but uh, I told I told Selena, my wife, that uh, I have to pull pork like this from now on. So I have to pull it with gloves, not with not with forks. Oh um, yeah, because that that made a big difference. And I also watched you incorporate uh, quite a bit of the fat into it, um, which just makes for awesome barbecue. So if you're going to be a church worker someday, you gotta. I think you just have to be into to barbecue. Uh, it's like it's, it's just. It's one of those things that, that teaches you patience and practice and paying attention because you can get two pork shoulders exact like that look the same. And one day one takes four hours, the other day one takes six. This last weekend it was cold outside and keeping the grill at a temperature where it would cook. And it, 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 it it's just it'll teach you a lot about life. I have a lot to learn from you about barbecuing. That is most certainly true. And listeners, I I hope that you're into this because uh, I think you're in for uh, a little bit of extras on learning how to barbecue with Micah Glenn. But Ben, on a different note, uh, The Mandalorian has come out and we are a few episodes in. Uh, Me and my wife, we watch it every Friday together. What's as a. I'm I'm a Star Wars fan, but definitely not on the level of Star Wars fan as you are. I I, I like sci-fi fantasy, uh, so Star Wars is awesome. I I like the last. They're not my favorite. The well, anyway, how are you feeling about the Mandalorian, and how do you think this season is going so far? Yeah, that's that's uh, that's been a lot of fun for uh, us to watch too. We're watching Saturday morning or Friday morning, right when when my boys come come up uh, get up. Uh, they come down the stairs, and at 6 a.m. we have Mandalorian on. So it's it's only been live for I think it comes out like Friday morning at 3 a.m. or something, uh, Central Time. So um, yeah, the first episode was great. We we loved seeing um, Boba Fett, and uh, kind of we we had an idea that that he was coming. Um, so to to get that spoiler, we we haven't seen any more of him. So I'm still waiting to see uh, what's coming. Uh, from from that episode two was a big downer for me um it was kind of a throwaway one that was the one with the frog the frog lady taking her eggs uh and it it just kind of felt like a filler episode it didn't really have anything to do with the larger story arc the ice planet one right yeah 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 exactly um but then these last these last two have been really good and um the this one with uh uh, Ahsoka Tano, 
Um, my my sons are really into Star Wars lore. Have read several of the books. Uh, they they've watched all of uh, Rebels. Uh, I'm actually not quite at that level of Star Wars fan, but um, my my older son he was actually a little bit bored with it because all of the plot lines uh, were already things that he basically knew about and could guess. Oh, really? um, so I'm enjoying uh, you know this kind of building up. There's some cute uh, baby Yoda uh, or the child or Grogu, as we now know, he is, he's named, uh, not sure that we're huge fans of that name, but, um, <laughs> it yeah, is that's so, so this listeners, this whole thing about barbecue and cowboys and star Wars Mandalorian, this is all to, to demonstrate that pastors are people. So, we have we have regular interests. We're regular people. We we do things uh, uh, in real life, and it's not just thinking about theology. But we are going to get to some theology and ta- talking about some scripture on this. But uh, I think it's kind of fun to to talk a little bit about what we're up to and what we spend yeah. our time doing Wait, on when, our off hours. When your pastor preaches for forty five minutes in the late service and you get home late for the opening of kickoff, I get frustrated too. I'm right there with you. On my vicarage, my vicarage supervisor, it was a a playoff game between uh, the Packers and the Cowboys. It's the Des caught it game. Uh, Des did catch it. I know you don't know what I'm talking about, Ben, but everybody else nope. might. <laughs> um, and like his sermon at the first service was not even close to how long it was in the second service. And I feel like. He was teaching me a lesson, but maybe he wasn't. <laughs> Nonetheless, all right. Let's uh, let's Ben. Let's dive into the word now. The name of our podcast, "Under the Fig Tree," uh, comes straight from scripture, straight from a story about disciples being called into service into the church, uh, which I hope makes a little bit of sense. But we're now we're going to read uh, this passage for you, and then we're going to dive into what's going on because there's a lot of of stuff within these few verses. So John chapter 1, starting at verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can anything good Come out of Nazareth. Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened up and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So just Right off the cuff, a, a calling story, a, a calling of one of the disciples, 
uh, in particular, it kind of focuses on Nathaniel and Philip, uh, two characters that we know of from other Gospels, but in John's Gospel, we really get to know him, especially in, in these couple of verses. Yeah, and, you know, I, I've i thought uh, all along, before I did any homework on on this uh, section of, of Scripture, uh, I had always thought of Nathaniel as kind of this this skeptic and and I had this I had this I think idea of this exchange between Nathaniel and Jesus as this kind of sarcastic um thing so so Nathaniel says can anything good come out of Nazareth which seems a little skeptical maybe a little sarcastic and so then when Jesus says behold an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit um I don't know why, but I, I guess I always kind of thought that or read that as ironic, like uh, Jesus kind of saying like, yeah, here's a here's an here's an Israelite in whom there's no to see as if such a thing exists. And, and maybe that's just because me being a good Lutheran, I know that there's no good in us um, that were and, and that's true. Right. But um, but as I as I studied this passage. Um, I was reading the commentary by uh, Dr. Weinrich at uh, Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, and uh, he talks about this this part in Israelite in whom there is no deceit, and that's that's actually maybe an echo from some passages uh, in the Old Testament that specifically talk about uh, Israelites in whom there is no deceit, and and it's because they're waiting for the Messiah to return. And that's the thing that Jesus focuses on. So if if Nathaniel has a little bit of snarkiness, and don't we all sometimes have a little bit of snarkiness, maybe some of you have a lot of snarkiness, but uh, if Nathaniel has a little bit of that, Jesus doesn't. Jesus actually comes on the scene and he sees Nathaniel's faith um, and he praises it as somebody that's been waiting around for the Messiah. Um, and that struck me as a good place to be. Uh, listeners, hopefully you're sitting around uh, hoping, waiting for God to do his good work, especially in uh, the Messiah Jesus. Yeah, I think that's really important to to think about this and, and frame it up. And there, there are a lot of different ways you can take this, but uh, I was reading a different commentary. Uh, not a Lutheran one, but from the Pillar Commentary series. And, and I don't think it's a stretch, but but this Israelite deceit thing, he, he made a recall to, to Joseph, I mean, to Jacob and Esau. Uh, of course, Jacob stole Esau's birthright. He, he tricked Isaac out of it. He, he dressed up like Esau and, and went in to his blind father and got a blessing that didn't belong to him. And then of course, well, not of course, but Jacob Yaakov uh, means deceiver. <laughs> um, and he goes off, he runs because, you know, Esau gets mad eventually, rightfully so, maybe. Um, and then he has this experience wrestling with God, and that's when he becomes Israel. And so this commentator, D.A. Carson, he's a pretty famous New Testament commentator, uh, you know, he kind of just alludes that you know, this recall, maybe, just maybe, uh, this no deceit Israel thing is just, Nathaniel doesn't really take things out of turn. Uh, that You're right, he's patiently waiting for the Lord and, and isn't 
and is doing what he's meant to do as a good person of God, Israelite, uh, waiting at, for the Messiah to come, uh, which kind of takes us to under the fig tree, because this also has some imagery to it as well. Yeah, absolutely. So Zephaniah 3 is the the part that I was uh, that I was referring to from the Old Testament um, uh, having to do with uh, someone not being of of deceit. Um, but yeah, under the fig tree part, um, I read a couple of different things about uh, fig trees. Augustine saw a connection to the fig leaf in Genesis 3 which uh, Adam and Eve used to cover themselves after they've sinned. Um, and and so maybe that's maybe that's uh, in view here. Um, but I, I actually think the the link to uh, Zechariah three, uh, where uh, Zechariah says um, he's talking about this end time or this time when the Messiah will finally come, for Israel. Israel had been waiting a really long time for the Messiah to come. And Zechariah prophesying about the day when the Messiah will come. It says, uh, this is Zechariah 3.10, in that day declares the Lord of hosts, every one of you will invite his neighbor to come under his vine and under his fig tree. And I think following this, this idea that Jesus is praising Nathaniel's faith, um, is that Nathaniel was sitting under the fig tree waiting for the Messiah. Uh, so so what does it mean to be under the fig tree uh, for our listeners? Uh, it's this idea that we're, we're sitting and waiting for uh, God's action in Christ uh, in our lives, particularly uh, to give us direction on uh, how we should live our lives uh, and maybe even especially what we should do uh, in our careers. Um, so I, I'm, I'm figuring that our, our listeners are probably tuning into under the fig tree because they are interested in the possibility at least of church work. So listener, it's a good, it's a good thing if you're just sitting under this fig tree saying, yep, Jesus is my Lord. I trust him. I don't know what's coming. I don't know what's next. Um, but I'm sitting under the fig tree waiting. And that that um, as as you, I think, proposed this um, this idea, uh, this idea of sitting under the fig tree struck me as a really good name for this podcast. Yeah. And I mean, fig trees are used a, a number of times in Scripture in a, a couple of different ways. I, I, I'm just looking and, and there are a couple ones that have similar but just slightly different nuances um so in first kings chapter four it says and judah and israel lived in safety from dan even to beersheba every man under his vine and under his fig tree all the days of solomon and so in line with waiting for jesus under the fig tree this this place where you're at home and comfortable and, and safe um that that under the fig tree uh each of us has a, a space and a place to be uh who we are created by god um and as as we as nathaniel was waiting there uh doing what he was doing uh there's i've, I've read a couple of times now that 
under the fig tree in rabbinic tradition was a place where you go and study uh, and pray and things like that it goes right along with being safe and at home and, and waiting for Jesus. Um, you know, in this podcast, uh, even even today, as we've the world has once experienced the coming of the Messiah and Jesus. Uh, even now, as we wait for his second coming under the fig tree where, where we're here anticipate uh, waiting in anticipation for Jesus to come in his word, uh, studying by prayer that we have a place of safety and comfort. And and again, for some of us, a place where that anticipation leads to church work and service to the church as we bring more and more people into this safety under this tree, uh, but also as we encourage uh, and teach others what it means. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as you were talking about sitting under the fig tree, another thing that struck me, uh, in addition to this teaching or this studying and, and waiting for the Lord, is this idea that, you know, when especially uh, thinking about the time of Solomon. That was a great time. Israel was in a great place. But then after that, there was this this huge downward slide for Israel, and things got really bad as people were waiting for the Messiah. And it strikes me that some, some of our listeners, and Micah, you and I are both uh, experiencing this right now, because uh, as we're recording this, we're probably in the worst part place with this pandemic that we've been uh, up till now. It's it's December 2020. So um, our listeners might be looking out at the world and under their fig tree, uh, waiting is about waiting for uh, for something to get better because the world is such a broken place or and so maybe it's maybe it's something personal that they're dealing with or they're watching other people. Uh, deal with something really difficult, really painful, um, something that brings lament and grieving, uh, burying loved ones, or um, or or watching uh, corruption um, in throughout the world, uh, watching these these huge sins that impact uh, countless lives. Uh, that's also a part of this waiting for the Messiah and and kind of in. This patient, uh, hope-filled, uh, but but sometimes grief-filled, uh, waiting and thinking, what can I do? How can I be a part of uh, uh, making a difference or or bringing some hope, bringing some joy, bringing some peace uh, to this to this broken world? Um, I think that's also part of what's kind of wrapped up in uh, being under the fig tree. You know, saying all that and talking about bringing peace and bringing hope, especially in these troubled times, I want to backtrack a little bit and go back to Nathaniel because, you know, as we, in our work, I'm the director of recruitment here. Uh, Ben is the associate provost. Uh, Recruiting new church workers, uh, enrolling new students into the seminary, it's it's what we do day in and day out. Uh, and, And it's a big reason of why we're creating this podcast and and why we do what we do. Uh, And so talking about who Jesus called in the ministry, uh, because the 12, I think, is is a pretty broad spectrum of of guys. They're all Hebrew Israelites. And and so there's some commonality between them. 
but their day in and day out lives, their character, who they are, the things that they pay attention to, the things that they don't pay attention to, they're, they're all really individualized. And, and I think there's there's a lot to be said in that. And you were you were getting a hint on Nathaniel's not deceitfulness. I took it one way, but but you were taking it a, a slightly different way, which I think is important uh, for us to to hit on a little bit. So say more about that. So, um, well, well, I I took it to Jacob and Esau. You were going to take it to Zechariah. So you you were I was looking at the individual Israel. You were looking at the collective Israel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and um, so it's it's all about um, you know thinking through who who are these people that are. Um, that Jesus is calling, and sometimes not not perfect people. Sometimes they don't have the um, the the perfect track record. Um, in fact, that's that's all all the time, right? Right. Um, because Jesus calls sinners, like you mentioned, uh, the twelve uh, apostles that that uh, were followers of Jesus um, come from very different backgrounds. Um, certainly, the women that Jesus uh, calls to to follow him, uh, the first uh, witnesses to the resurrection uh, are also from very different backgrounds, um, and we're we're excited uh, for for this podcast to uh, to to have a hearing both among those that would be considering pastoral ministry as well as as those that would be um, considering uh, to become a deaconess. Um, and we'll talk more about what it means to be a deaconess or what is a deaconess, uh, because um, I think probably more people know about pastors, because uh, if you've been to a congregation, you've experienced a pastor. Less of our congregations have deaconesses, but it's an extremely important um, role in our church. So, uh, yeah, we definitely will be uh, talking about more of those um, in the in the time to come. Yeah. Well, I was I was also kind of thinking of this Zephaniah. I said Zechariah before, but it's actually Zephaniah chapter three. Uh, and it says those who are left in Israel, they shall do no injustice and speak no lies, nor shall there be found in their mouth a deceitful tongue, for they shall graze and lie down and none shall make them afraid. And, and that's what I was talking about. You know, we're talking about the season of covid uh, where I mean, there's just fear everywhere. Not just from coronavirus, but because there's a pandemic, people are losing their minds. Uh, sometimes you can't find toilet paper in the store. Uh, if you drive on the street, people have people. Our lack of commute contact with people for some, they've just forgotten whatever social skills, what little social skills they used to have. And there, this isn't something new under the sun. People in the when Jesus was alive, as in like alive incarnate walking before his death and resurrection when he was physically present in the person here uh before his passion event people were also afraid i mean that's why they were looking for a messiah they they were in constant fear and and calling this guy nathaniel where there's no deceit this zephaniah text kind of is like okay this guy nathaniel is one of these people is going to help people overcome their fear and get Mm -hmm. them to look to something greater to them and get them to hope and trust in the one thing that can conquer all of our fears that is Jesus. I mean, th- this is what we do. This is the reason why deaconesses exist. It's the reason why pastors exist. It's not to, yeah, we try to be clever in sermons and everything like that, but what we're really trying to do week in and week out is point you to Jesus. Uh, don't trust me. Yeah. Trust Jesus. <laughs> yeah. uh, that, that's the whole point of, of all of this. 
Yeah, exactly. And that's, um, I mean, it brings us back to this idea of under the fig tree is um, it's okay to be in a place where you're, you don't quite know what to do. Uh, you look out at the world and you're, you're kind of uh, um, really taken aback by uh, the sin that you see in the world, the brokenness, the difficulty. Um, the one thing that we have is sitting under the fig tree, trusting in Jesus and, um, and, and that's what uh, Micah and I are thrilled to to bring you, our listeners. Uh, I hope that in every one of these episodes, uh, we'll bring you to Jesus uh, mm. just in the podcast uh, so that as you continue to sit under the fig tree and wait and pray and hope in the Messiah, that you have a message of encouragement and um, uh, some things to think about as you uh as you wrestle with and as you pray about where would god uh lead you and what would he uh perhaps have you do um so yeah that's that's uh that's excellent yeah well you know there's there there are those people who just know that being a pastor is is what they're going to be when they grow up and that's what they're going to do and they follow the system and they end up at the seminary and they become pastors well that's that's not my story (laughs) Uh, it's interesting um in high school here in St. Louis at, at Lutheran High School North, we had a, a campus pastor, Mike Maskey. He's sainted now. Uh, but in my junior theology course, uh, it was like this a, kind of like a religious bodies in America, that kind of class where we talked about all a, a lot of different religious systems. And he was going around the room because not everybody was Lutheran in high school, but he held up the Book of Concord one day and said, who are the Lutherans? And it was about 50% of us. And he said, so who's read this? And we all put our hands down. I, I think that might have been the first time I've ever seen the Book of Concord. I'm a good Lutheran that way. Uh, and he was like, well, how do you know you're a Lutheran if you haven't read this? And I was like, man. And it was a, kind of the first time like somebody like really smacked me in the face with my own faith system. Because I was like, well, how do I know I'm, I'm Lutheran? Um, well, at that time, I thought I wanted to be a pastor. It was the first time I vocalized it. I was 16, but but I had gotten away from that. Uh, my gifts in life are really focused around like math and science, and it didn't seem like those things really lent to being a pastor. So I, I began to pursue other things. Uh, I like teaching, uh, so I was going to be a, a science teacher, but then uh, that didn't make enough money. And, and so I I pursued pharmacy for for like three years, um, just solely because I thought it, it paid well. It, and I had to learn the hard way that money wasn't a motivator for me. Uh, and so three years of of taking random science and math classes uh, and pursuing a, a thing that I wasn't really all that interested in, I took time off of college. Uh, and just what do you do now? Uh, you know, I tried different things. The worst job I ever had was ex- was selling extended car warranties over the phone. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's one. Of, I only did it for two months, but it's one of those things where like you have to admit it because you did it. Yeah. Uh, but but I'm not proud. <laughs> if if you ever got me on the phone, I'm car insurance sales salesman. Uh, it, awesome. it's, well, it, unfortunately, I was kind of good at it. Uh, <laughs> And that's what made me quit. I was like, ah, I don't want to be this guy. And but so but for like a time, uh, even on those two years, I was really lost. Mm. Um, 
I, I, I wasn't really going to church all that much. Uh, like many young adults, my, my congregation, for better or worse, didn't really have a, a young adult program type thing or even like a group to, for Bible study. I was too old for high school ministry, but not quite old enough to hang out with my parents and their friends at church. Right. <laughs> um, and, and so I tried different churches. Uh, and that's when it, that's really when I found out that I was Lutheran because I'd go to other churches and I'm like, man, I, I really disagree with just about everything you're saying. Um, so slowly but surely found my way back to the church kind of accidentally. My, my home congregation needed somebody to lock up the church uh, every night and not a lot of people wanted a job. For me, it was extra money to party uh, and you get off at nine o'clock. So right, right in time to go to the bar anyway. And so... Uh, when I was working one night, a seminary, Mark Koshman, he's now a professor at Concordia St. Paul, a great friend. Uh, yep. We just started talking about life, and that led to faith. And I, I began to tell him, like the first time I met him, how I was struggling with faith. And, uh, you know, he said something very important at the time. He was like, you know, it's not really about how much faith you have. You know, this kind of mustard seed idea. He's like, the, the fact that you have faith is enough. Mm. Um, well, he started a summer camp. Um, it, it, it just a very typical thing. Uh, my congregation used to be in an all-white neighborhood, but now it's in an all-black neighborhood. And so the campers were almost exclusively black, and the counselors from the congregation were almost exclusively white, and they were having mm -hmm. some cultural clashes and that they couldn't quite understand. And he asked me to come on board and help them navigate that. Uh, wow. And, and I, I found a lot of joy working in the summer camp. Well, that led to being a chaperone. <laughs> I was like 24. I was like, I'm not old enough to be a chaperone, right? But being a chaperone for some uh, middle school events. And then they asked me if I could teach uh, some, a Sunday school. And then about a month into that, I'm now going to church again. You know, my faith life is renewed. Uh, I'm I'm active in the church again. And then somebody in my congregation just said, well, have you ever thought about being a youth minister? And I was like, the honest answer was yes, because back in high school. But I, I wanted to say no, because I wanted to remove that thought from anybody's mind that church work was for me. Like, right. stop it. I'm going to find something to do, people. Just give me some time. I'm not that old yet, right? Well, Somebody else asked, and then somebody else asked. I don't know if they coordinated it or not, uh, but long story short, it was like April 2009. I applied to Concord Chicago for the DCE program, uh, thinking that maybe I'll start in the fall of 2010, but they sent me back a financial aid package that worked, and before I knew it, it was August 2009. I packed up all my stuff, moved to Concord Chicago. I was in the DCE program. Uh, met my now wife in the first day of classes and then uh after being in the in like that level of church at the time uh meeting more people meeting some pre-seminary people meeting uh jeff leininger the pre-sem director at concordia chicago he, people really in my my mother-in-law people were like there's nothing wrong with being a dce you know it's a very good thing but they looking at me and my skills and everything else like that they started pushing me towards uh, becoming a pastor. And I think in the back of my mind, I was like, well, I'll warm up to church work with being a DCE and maybe someday eventually I'll become a, a pastor anyway. Uh, well, I I finished a degree in chemistry because that was the closest degree I could do. Longest academic year of my life, including seminary. Uh, applied to the seminary, started here in the summer of 2011. 
and now we're here in, in 2020, uh, and, and I'm the director of recruitment at CSL. So it wasn't a straightforward path. Uh, it was a very complicated path. And I, I remember along the way, I was trying to tell people, I was like, man, I've done this bad thing. Like, it makes me unfit. And people like Jeff Leininger and Mark along the way, they were like, you know, all of these things that you've done, it's going to help you relate to people who are also struggling with life, struggling with their sin. Don't worry about it. It'll all work out in the end. I'm like, man, these guys are crazy. Like, <laughs> how, how can God make somebody like me a pastor? And that's really the honest thing about this whole experience is that I, I have skills that, that lend towards being a pastor. But again, it's not really a, about me. Uh, yeah me being a pastor is really about God and his church. Uh, and I, I thank him every day for this job. Uh, it's not easy every day. <laughs> uh, it's, right. it's very hard some days. And there are some days where I wake up and I'm like, man, this is the last thing I want to do. But then there are days where, uh, you know, he gently reminds me of of what it's about. And it, it's talking to somebody who's struggling uh, or or even strangely at a funeral where you're bearing somebody who's died in faith and you're there to comfort their family. Uh, and it's on those days where, yeah, there's, there's nothing that I'd rather do. And so, yeah, that's, that's, that's how I got into it. it again, not clean, not straightforward, uh, but I, I appreciate it nonetheless. Um, ben, how did you get into ministry? Well, before I tell my story, I want to ask a follow-up question okay. um, because I, I know uh, even more of your story. And there's a part that I'm really intrigued by. You know, sometimes uh, when I'm talking with people who are considering seminary or thinking about church work, thinking about uh, pastoral ministry specifically, uh, sometimes some some people that are thinking about coming to the seminary are like, I'm interested in the seminary. I really would love to study theology. I'm actually not sure that I want to be a a parish pastor like the way that I saw uh, my pastor growing up or, um, and that's not to downplay their pastor growing up, but just to say, like, if I come to Concordia Seminary, is there like just one thing and kind of one cookie cutter congregation that I'm going to go to? And your experience, I think, speaks really well to that of the yeah. kinds of things that you did uh, once you graduated from seminary with an MDiv as a, a pastor in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. So s say just a little bit about that, uh, especially for hearers that are saying, because I'm going to talk about being a parish pastor. Sure. Um, yeah. That's that's another thing. But what about for these people that aren't interested or are interested in something a little bit different? Right. Uh, so, so my path isn't the normal path. So I, I just want to say that first because it, it might not go this way because it, again it's not the normal path but nonetheless first i was a, a missionary uh through the lcms a domestic missionary through the office of national missions to ferguson which happens to be uh the neighborhood i grew up in when my dad retired from the military i'll talk about my military bratness on a, a different episode and, and bring you guys into that a little bit but um and for the first two and a half years of ministry i worked in a building uh, that was owned by the Urban League, uh, just kind of doing urban ministry. Um, I didn't have a congregation. I was called to a congregation, uh, but but my day-to-day -day life was was usually meeting somebody for the first time uh, that was looking for help of one kind, and I had the gospel. And so 
I, I had partnerships around town, uh, Chapel across uh, St. Peter's, me and them. Uh, we, we started a benevolence fund. So every month I, I had some funds available to help people with rent because it's just an impoverished part of town and, and people are out of jobs and things like that. And so helping people keep the lights on, uh, keep the heat on in the winter uh, was definitely well worth it. But, but those funds went quick because uh, there were so many people who needed them. So uh, people would come to me looking for some assistance. And I'm like, well, I, the money's gone. And and I remember one time this this lady she was so indignant she was like well what then do you do and I was like well, I was like well I'm I'm a pastor I was like you know I I, I do pastoral counseling and she and she latched onto that um, a very unusual situation uh, she was married but living with another guy but but the only reason why she wasn't divorced is because of finances behind it and so I had to make a decision. How do I counsel these two people who are living in sin? Um, yeah. But but to have a a stronger relationship together in a, the most weird and awkward way possible, and I, it would take more than the podcast for me to help people understand that. But that's kind of like what ministry was like because again, I didn't have a congregation, and it wasn't the same people. It was it was just broken people living in a broken world, and how can I build relationships with them to hopefully get them to understand who Jesus is, so that that this couple that I we, we didn't get to finish because I took a new call, but my plan in my mind was like, okay, let me get them to a place where she does finalize her divorce so that they can get married and, and live a godly life together because they wanted to be together. But of course, mm-hmm. all of these other things were preventing them from having a good life together, mostly their sin, right? Yeah. <laughs> that they just weren't doing things the right way. Uh, and I, that's what I was helping them understand through our random counseling sessions. Then I, I worked for Lutheran Hour for a year. Uh, and my job there was was to to actually was to go to congregations with curriculum to help them talk to their neighbors about Jesus uh, in organic ways. You know, we have a habit of, of thinking that the first time we meet somebody, we have to get straight to repent and be baptized because that's kind of what happened with the Ethiopian eunuch, but it doesn't always go that way. Right. <laughs> Usually uh, doesn't a little bit of trust will go a long way in, in those conversations, um, especially in an age of skepticism. Um, but but in the middle of that, uh, Ben, you started trying to convince me to come on board as CSO and, and help with this. And eventually you convinced me and now I'm here. So uh, a little different uh, for sure. Uh, I, I still try to do congregational things. I still preach and teach when I can uh, because those things are a treat. Uh, and and I, I feel like I'm always I always have to be on my best because people only hear me every once in a while, not every Sunday. So I like I can't have off Sundays because that might be the only time they hear me. But uh, yeah, it's it's been it's been good and interesting and different for sure. Yeah, you have a lot of material out on the the web. Our listeners can go to. Uh, uh, CSL or uh, ConcordiaTheology.org, ConcordiaTheology.org, and find some of your stuff that you've done uh, speaking at the National Youth Gathering sure. and some some podcasts. Um, so yeah, we're we're super excited that you're part of the Concordia Seminary team. And uh, man, we wouldn't be doing this podcast if you weren't on board. So uh, this is uh, this is exciting stuff. I yeah well. What the listeners should know is I'm still very young. I'm still a very young pastor. I'm still very young in ministry. Uh, I'm not a very young man, but I'm a relatively young man. 
and, and so I, I'm still learning. I'm still growing. And uh, my goal from from people that mentor me, people like Dr. Jeff Gibbs, I, I hope that I'm like him and I, I'm learning even in retirement that this Christian life thing is, is not a uh, when when does it stop? I don't know. Like it, there's just so much to learn and, and it's all edifying. Uh, yeah, I, it's, it's great. And being around you guys, you and, and all the faculty here, it, it's just boosting uh what I what I take in on a daily basis. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm very blessed uh, to be in this position. Uh, that I'm very much growing into. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a great uh, it's a great partnership. Thanks for thanks for sharing a little bit about that because I I think that there are people out there who are who are interested in serving uh, God, serving the church, um, but maybe in some unique ways. Yep. Um, so a little bit about my story, um, in some ways, uh, some, some different, uh, paths. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was, I was born, uh, or, uh, baptized and then, uh, grew up in the Lutheran church, went to Lutheran grade school, Lutheran high school. Um, and it was, it was actually in Luth during my days in Lutheran high school that, um, I kind of developed, uh, maybe even two, alternate uh, paths. And one was maybe to become, uh, to, to study in the, in the secular world or regular world or, or what, what have you, the non-church world. And um, to, so I was thinking about going into business. Um, I had fallen in with some, some friends that were probably not good influences on me. And I'll be honest, I probably wasn't a very good influence on them. <laughs> and um i i definitely grew up in the church i i definitely uh believed in god had a a relationship with god uh but i was i was kind of coming to one of those places where faith was meaning less and less and it had less to do with uh everyday decisions that i was making um and it had less and less um i perceived that it had less and less uh, to offer me. Um, and, and it was, um, I, in some ways I got very kind of discouraged and lost the, the path. Um, and it was actually an invite to, uh, attend a Pentecostal youth group that was the like, whoa, there were definitely things that I experienced that I, I didn't know how to explain. Sure. Um, and I had to really think through. Uh, there was a there was a, a moment where I had to really do some wondering and some searching. Was I going to remain in the Lutheran Church or was I going to become Pentecostal? Um, and that was actually a really uh, important moment in my life uh, because, to the credit of Pentecostals, uh, they pointed me to the scriptures. And, um, and, and I, I also went to a couple of Lutheran pastors and they pointed me to the scriptures and they weren't, they weren't quick to just force me or push me. Um, they actually put the scriptures in my hands in a very real way. Uh, my sponsor had literally put the, a copy of the scriptures in my hands. Um, and so I started reading my Bible, uh, kind of voraciously, I was very interested in the question of uh, what is communion, 
And uh, is it just bread and wine and symbolic, or is it uh, what Lutherans say, the body and blood? I I actually just wanted to know what the scripture said, and so I just started tearing apart First uh, Corinthians 11 and uh, the the passages uh, in the Gospels uh, where Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper. Um, I was very interested in questions of how does God speak? Uh, mm-hmm. Does does God still speak today? Uh, in what ways does God speak today? Um, and it was it was a slow process of coming back to the Lutheran Church, uh, not because I had to, because that was like the right thing to do, um, but because I realized, oh, the Lutheran Church is teaching the scriptures, and how God speaks through the scriptures is way more important than um, this little experience that I had or um, or this this voice that I think was speaking to me on a Wednesday night. I wanted to know uh, what does the God of the universe uh, say, and how has He spoken to humanity, uh, especially through Jesus? Um, so through talking with lots of pastors and such, I I became convinced uh, that I wanted to study theology full time, and that I really wanted to be a pastor. Um, uh, these pastors that had come alongside of me uh, in my searching uh, became very influential. Uh, so I, I enrolled at Concordia University, Wisconsin, um, and uh, that was an incredible experience. We had a, a campus pastor there, Wayne Braun. He and I are still uh, best buds. He's still my mentor. I still call him when I'm struggling with something. Um, and he just he talked me through and showed me what does it mean to be a pastor uh, what does it mean to love people? What does it mean to love the scriptures and to love theology and to um, to go deep? Um, so so that was a bit about my my experience getting to this place where I was like, okay, I want to study to become a pastor. Um, and so came to Concordia Seminary, uh, started here in 2000, uh, got really into theology um, while I was in college, I read Augustine's Confessions, um, and uh, I'm just starting to reread that now um, and realizing how much Augustine's life and my life uh, have a lot of similarities um, because Augustine was also baptized as an infant and then kind of lost the way for a bit um, and even had some time with uh, the Manichees, which I don't know if they're exactly like the Pentecostals, but um, I'll, they have some. They both have some weird theology. Let's let's put it that way. Um, That's but, but but I I will say to anybody who's uh, kind of wondering about uh, denominations and and Lutherans versus others, um, you know, Lutherans have always said that there are Christians in uh, non-Lutheran church bodies, uh, Christians. Uh, so uh, absolutely, I met Christians in the Pentecostal church, and I believe that God used that that to shape me. Uh, in some significant ways. But I finally then graduated from Concordia Seminary after doing lots of extra uh, study, went to Germany and spent a year there and uh, such. But I, I got called to um, a large congregation in Boca Raton, Florida. And then uh, a couple of years in, went to a small congregation and I was there for five years as a sole pastor. And um, the experiences of uh you know, offering communion to someone that knows they're going to die 
And I, I remember this this one woman and her husband that I literally asked her, are you ready to go home and be with Jesus? And she said, yes. And the tears flowed out of my eyes. They flowed out of her eyes. They flowed out of her husband's eyes. Uh, that holy moment where I could offer them uh, the body and blood of Christ, uh, that is a moment that I will never forget for the rest of my life. Uh, I loved pastoral ministry, congregational ministry. Um, and there are a lot of days where I think uh, I'm being tugged back into it because that's how much I, I love parish ministry. Nevertheless, I, I, I'm here at Concordia Seminary because uh, I think we have a lot of important work to do. And because I, this is my way of helping congregations is to try to raise up more pastors and um, more deaconesses. We'll talk more about deaconesses in future episodes. Uh, but being able to share the word of God with somebody at a hospital bed um, or with a kid that's struggling with something uh, or with, uh, well, I have lots of stories about uh, walking with couples that have lost uh, uh, a baby uh, through stillbirth or a miscarriage. Um, and being being able to bring the word of God to those people in those moments um, is uh, is like no other or or leading a, an entire group of people uh, in something major like let's kind of revitalize our church and bring it back to uh, important vital ministry for our community. Uh, very, very gratifying. So, um, yeah, I, I loved my time as a pastor. Yeah, so <clears throat> we were both in communities in ministry. Mine was meeting new people just about every single day. What's it like shepherding a flock, a particular people that you see every, hopefully every Sunday and then sometimes in between? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes it's it's boring. It's like being in a family, right? Uh, sometimes you get frustrated with people. Um, because uh, a family has lots of individual, unique personalities. But coming back to that that couple where I shared uh, communion with them, uh, she she passed away just days after I took communion to her and her husband. Um, and you know, it was it was several months later on a on a Christmas Eve service um, where the whole family was was together some of them lived out of town they were all together in church um and she wasn't there the mama of the family wasn't there um that was their first christmas without her and i remember um man i was almost going to tear up right now uh, i remember going up to that family and i couldn't hardly speak i i i got choked up and i just said um you know i know that she's not she's not with you uh but but she's with our Lord and he's with you. And um, being able to walk with a family through several moments like that um, and to stay with them over a long period of time. And, um, you know, the, the first year after somebody misses some after somebody loses somebody is very difficult, but it, that hurt doesn't go away. And so walking somebody through that over the long haul, you you learn a lot about families and how they deal with loss um it's it's actually tremendously gratifying to to be able to walk with an entire family uh over you know through the birth of a child and then seeing that child grow up and get confirmed or something a, a great joy 
And see, that's where I'll call what the usual <laughs> congregational ministry path and what I did overlap because uh, early on in my ministry, I met this woman who had just gone through a tragedy and didn't receive any help. And I was the person who helped her. Uh, and she, I, I still talk to her on a monthly basis, but long story short, I mean, she's been hit with tragedy. There was a week where she came to my office to complain about one of her grandsons who was stealing from her. Well, a few days later, he OD'd on heroin. Mm-hmm. And I did his funeral. She, I'm the one that she came to. Uh, again, community partners, Grace Chapel up in Belfast Neighbors. The pastor, Nate Ruback, helped me get them a funeral home and a plot. Talking about the church and community coming together. Um, it's the only funeral I've ever done. Uh, and, and I had met him. I knew he was baptized. And that's what you go from. And and then not that long ago, not lo- that long after that, her other grandson, one of her other grandsons, was put in prison. Now, he's on his way out. I, he was falsely accused uh, of it was just kind of guilt by association. But in all of this, she sends me pictures of her granddaughter. And that's and so that's that's the one thing that I will say, like, okay, it wasn't just me doing random things every day like it has to be intentional you have to be there to bring people jesus and when you do that and when you're intentional about building those relationships that's when the trust happens and that's where the magic happens and that's what makes me really wake up and say okay i want to be a pastor because of of relationships like this where it's a weird again it's a weird thing to say but being a person that people turn to in tragedy not because of it. And again, it's not because of me, but because what I'm going to bring them, I'm going to bring them Jesus. Uh, and, and that's, yeah, that, that that's the thing where it's that I'm constantly reminded of, of this is what it's all about. Yeah, this is, uh, this is really exciting. I think we have, uh, we have a lot more stories to share with our, with our listeners. And um, I, I think this uh, podcast is proving to us that We'll have uh, we'll have plenty more to talk about in the uh, days and weeks and uh, episodes to come. But uh, yeah, this has been a first uh, first one and uh, a lot of fun to do. Amen. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Under the Fig Tree. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus shows his followers how to care for his people. Oftentimes, this includes sharing the word in intimate moments of personal conversation, like the Samaritan woman at the well. At other times, it's sharing the word with crowds like the Sermon on the Mount. Sometimes it's just being there for people when they are experiencing the worst moments of life, like when Jesus was there for Jairus when his daughter died. It's gathering his disciples around a table of bread and wine to hear, this is my body, this is my blood. Whether it's as a deaconess sharing the word with the sick, or as a pastor preaching the word and administering the sacraments, Being there for people at these intimate moments in life is something that Jesus is calling many more people to do. In Under the Fig Tree, we want to bring you into these moments with us, and maybe you begin to see yourself in one of these roles or feel yourself being called into service of the church. If you want to find out more about what it means to be a pastor or deaconess, visit us at csl.edu. And of course, keep listening to Under the Fig Tree.